everyone. Welcome back to Footy FE, the podcast brought to you by the Football Engine team. Uh, we're back after a short break, but we're back with the same energy. And uh, yeah, as always, we want to talk a bit about women's football. So what's the plan for today? Well, today we want to talk about the midweek games in the English FAWSL. Um, we had an extremely interesting London derby. We'll also talk about the Manchester derby. Uh, the game was played on Friday. And of course, we will also take some time to discuss Spanish Primera Ibertrola and German Friend Bundesliga. Okay, so today I'm joined by Christian Marocade and Irene. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. Okay, so... Uh, we'll start with the English FAWSL with the London Derby and Manchester Derby Day. Uh, so let's start with the London Derby. Chelsea took on Arsenal and Kent Meadow in midweek action in the English FAWSL. And well, Arsenal lost to Chelsea, and it's more and more becoming predictable to see how Arsenal is going to perform against the top teams. So, why are they? unable to come out of the shelves and perform better? Um, are they tactically suspicious to the teams, top teams? I actually don't think the manager knows how to adapt his tactics to address the threat posed by other teams. I mean, we always start the same way, sit back and hope we don't get scored against. And when we do get a single chance, hope then finishes it. It's like we are playing anti-football. Like, from the attacking third, we passed all the way back six times. I have no idea whether that's confidence-based or they haven't been given instructions as to what to do once you get there. But it's actually really frustrating to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, like, in the last 15 meetings with Chelsea, they have only managed to win twice. And, yeah, I think that's a big problem. And we can see it's a problem that Arsenal has been struggling with for a long time, and yeah, so far they have yet to find a solution to break this Chelsea dominance. Uh, yeah, I think like it starts to be very predictable, and I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans approaching like each next derby game with the same thinking, like, oh, we have to count on a miracle. Uh, and yeah, maybe we will be able to beat Chelsea. So I think that's a huge unsolved problem for Arsenal uh, and you know we said at the beginning that Chelsea had overloaded their squad with superstars like the big players big names in women's football but I think like look it, it's starting to look very good for them um, apart from this surprising defeat against Brighton so yeah I think like there's a huge problem for Arsenal and like this game, um, it was not different from the what we've seen in the previous meetings. Um, so, yeah, as you said, Marikait, it's very frustrating to watch them playing in very, very bad way. It's not really, like, entertaining to watch when you're an Arsenal fan. Uh, so, Arsenal, they have won only just one point against the top clubs with their only remaining game to be played against United. So do you think it's the players' mentality, the reason or the system that needs to be blamed? So I think half of the squad played some important knockout games in the Women's World Cup. Uh, uh, and I don't think it's to blame the players' mentality, but I would like to hear your thoughts about it. I mean, I think it's a system that is given the players that mentality that whenever they do play, they're going to lose. I think our system is so negative and so predictable that fans and players both know that they are bound to lose. We have three World Cup finalists on our squad who also won the Euros. They are used to these big games and obviously have the mentality, but they obviously don't trust the system or each other. Like Obviously, the injuries don't help, but we are yet to play our best starting eleven against a top team this season. The last time we had a fully fit squad was October 2019. And obviously that's taken like a massive impact on the squad. But 
it doesn't matter. The players that are there have to play and perform, but I just don't think they trust. I think they've lost confidence in Joe and his system because every time it's the same thing. We play, we lose. We play, we lose. We play, we lose. And like we're not playing particularly badly, but we just cannot finish games. We cannot win these games. Yeah, I think um, you can blame their mentality, but not in the way that you can blame them for not giving everything in these games. I think it's just more and more the loss of belief and confidence. Um, I mean, what can be expected from your mentality when you lose every big game again and again? And uh, it's every time another punch in the face. And for me, it's absolute understandable that they're losing uh, the belief in themselves for these uh, games and I think it can only be solved with a new manager at this point. Okay, so according to some stats, um, Pernil Harder pass completion in the final third stands at 93%. It's more than any other player in FAWSL. She has scored 10 goals for Chelsea so far this season. So has she lived up to the expectations with a different role in a different week? I mean, I think we're finally seeing her at her best. I mean, it did take her a while to adapt to the league and the different positions she was being played in. But now she has like developed quite lethal link-up play with the others in that front line. She's really stepping up and starting to really excel in this Chelsea team. And I think the only way is up from here, like, She's just going to keep getting better and better. And yeah, I think she's uh, really starting to live up to the expectations that we had before the season started. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think like she, she really looks like she lived up to the expectations. Uh, it took her some time. And I mentioned it in previous episodes when we talked about uh, why she's not doing very well in the league. Uh, and I remember saying that she would settle in and maybe she just needs some more time. Uh, but anyway, we know she has to face a lot of pressure because she's one of the most famous players in women's football. But yeah, we know she has football quality. Uh, and it's funny because I don't think she played like a perfect game uh, against Arsenal, but she did what Chelsea needed to get done. She just got the ball and scored and then added, added another one. And you know, Chelsea started taking control of the game. She's, she's great and I think she's more effective when she's playing at 10, I mean number 10 position, just behind the striker and she proved this in this match. So, you know, if she gets a free hand, she takes advantage of it. And you know, some people said that she disappears in important games, but in that Derby game, she she showed everyone who questioned her form that they were wrong. Uh, so, guys, do you think Chelsea have drawn the blueprint on how to disrupt Arsenal's play and attack them? All of Arsenal's losses against Chelsea follow a similar pattern by playing the fast-paced game and they're falling into the trap set by Chelsea instead of playing their game at their own pace. Yeah, I mean, we all know Joe has no idea how to counteract high-pressing tactically. Instead, he just makes them play the ball back until the defence are put in a really vulnerable position. I mean, you just look at Reading, they wreaked havoc by pressing us high. When we had the ball and could progress through the thirds against Chelsea, we did look changed dangerous but that doesn't matter if you can't finish it off like it is the same thing they play fast football we play pass 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 oh yeah let's pass it backwards because we've got nowhere to go yeah it's annoying yeah i think like apart from arsenal like chelsea played this game brilliant i mean at times they it looks like they allowed arsenal to stay on the ball longer to stay with the possession, uh, as if giving the impression that Arsenal was taking control of the game. And then they attacked. They tried the counter-attack, and it worked out really well. So, yeah, it actually looked at times as if it was a trap that Arsenal uh, had fallen into. And just two quick blows after the break, and, well, Chelsea 
had the game under control. So we we've seen, well, actually we heard <laughs> Joe shooting uh, quick, quick, quick from the sidelines, and based on that, and in case if they lose the position, uh, do they have enough in their arsenal to combat the fast counter attack by Chelsea? I think it's a yes and no. Like yes, in that we have the players to track back with speed and knowing that if Williamson steps up to try to win the ball back and correct other people's mistakes, no one covers her. And with the rest of our back line either being inexperienced or unfit, we are left very exposed. And it seems like the expectation is for Williamson to do all the defending and last-ditch tackles and once it gets past her, then it's probably a goal. And I don't think we should be defending like that. I don't think like they trust themselves or each other. And yeah, I just think it's it's hard to combat the counter-attack in terms of Leah's there trying to do all the work. But if it gets past her, then that's it. Well, yeah. Okay, that was quick. <laughs> um, now we move on to Manchester City versus Manchester United. Uh, another derby game. Uh they played on Friday afternoon at Academy Stadium and City won 3-0. So uh, what didn't work out for United in this game? The lineup or their own self? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I'm very uh, not very unsure why uh, United decided, or Casey Stoney decided to line up in the Four two three one in the double pivot, um, which has never really worked out for United. Whenever it has been deployed, I just don't think it it gets the best out of the players. It, it just doesn't suit them, uh, and you can see that from the attacking play. Um, yeah, the, 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 there's just struggles to to create enough chances, and the the flu fluidity in, in, in attack just isn't there um, uh, and playing players like Elatoon and Jackie Groen out of position just doesn't help at all um, I think it's clear to see that Elatoon is very uncomfortable out wide, uh, she doesn't hold the width of the pitch and she always seeks inside uh, which is where she's comfortable uh, and Jackie Groen just doesn't get involved enough uh, as the number 10 She's clearly best as as number eight, uh, so I don't really understand why that's that's a change. Um, it kind of changed after the Chelsea game, first game of the season. Uh, they kind of played at some sort of four three four three three um, with Haley Ladd uh, in the deepest uh, number six role, and then Groen and Toon as the number eights, uh, and in attack. Lad was still the deepest, and then Jackie Groen was kind of uh, in the number eight position, and Elatoon had drifted forward into number ten. Uh, so it was kind of a four-one-one-one-three, uh, and it really worked out in attack. Uh, I just thought it, United looked a lot better, uh, and you can see that both Groen and Toon were were so much better. Uh, so I think the change in system. Uh, or the four-two-three-one as a system just doesn't uh, get the best out of the United's attacks, seen by how few chances they really created in this game. Um, and then there's just simple defensive mistakes, uh, which is costing them. Uh, you can see that on all three goals, they're all very preventable. Uh, the first goal is set piece. Not a, not a shocker that United are conceding from set pieces. They're just awful at them. Um, but first of all, it's it, it just a kind of a bad clearance at the near post. Uh, and then uh, there are three players ball watching whilst Lucy Bruns is in space and has the time to to kind of put it in. Uh, and the second goal is is a poor clearance from Millie Turner straight to Chloe Kelly, who just crosses it in. And then. Uh, uh, Maria Torres that it loses Lauren Hamp at the back post. Um, and Hamp's shot isn't really good because she shoots it 
straight into the ground and which takes away like all the pace of the ball and then Amy Turner tries to clear it or head it over the bar or whatever uh, but she doesn't jump high enough so she's kind of just flicks it in into the crossbar and goes in uh, in a situation I just think Mary Earps has to to shout that that's her ball uh, it's not enough pace of the on the ball to to really trouble her so it's an easy catch but that's that and then a third goal it's it's just a poor clearance first from Sixworth and then Alatun tries to to lay it off to Groen which wasn't really a good decision at all it doesn't come off Caroline Weir intercepts it uh, and just glides past Groen which is very understandable considering she intercepted a ball in front of her and then Groen is on the back foot and then obviously she, she scores an amazing goal uh, just a wonder goal so I just think it's a combination of both the lineup and or the system and their own own their own downfall really by mistakes. Why don't they play Hansen? Like why doesn't she start? Like I don't understand it. Like she's a really good player and then that gives Ella Toon that opportunity to be in the ten position. I don't know. Uh, I I thought she would play Hansen that right wing. Uh but I think uh, it's a matter of trying to force Katie Salem into the lineup without wanting to bench any of the other midfielders in Toon, Groden, or Haley Land. Um, so I, I just don't know. I kind of have a theory on this, but. Well, we have a lot of questions, so let's just move on to the next. You can always mention it wherever you want. Um, so next question is uh, Kristen Press decision making wasn't great against City so why isn't she hitting the levels we know she's capable of do you think she's an assistant player um, she, she wasn't good but I appreciated that she, she looked like she really wanted it she was one of few players in this game that actually tried uh, uh, tried to do stuff but Ultimately, she it didn't come up for her. I think she maybe she got a decent couple of chances, which she maybe could have done better on. Uh, and on the ball, she 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 didn't really make the right decisions. Uh, don't really know why. I, I think she has had some struggles. She was obviously out ill for a while, uh, which didn't really help her, and then. She didn't really like start for us straight away because Alessio Russo was was in such good form and it was impossible to bench her. Uh, um, I also think it, it's it's part of the the the, the system United are playing. Uh, I just feel like in the four two three one, this lone striker gets very isolated and yeah. So I think it's just a combination of things, but. Um, I expected her to kind of do better than what she's she's done so far, and I don't. It's very hard to say why she hasn't really hit the same heights as the other U.S. players like Tobin Heath or Sam Hughes. Okay, so um, why does Manchester United keep conceding goals from set pieces? Should they do something different in their training? Um, I think there's a few factors. Um, first of all, I don't think um, any of United's players uh, take kind of, kind of command of the situation when a set piece uh, comes into their box. Like there's a lot of ball watching, um, and no one is really attacking the ball to just get it out take control of it and just punt it forward, get it safe, and and that's that. Um, a second problem is that they, they lose concentration uh, when it comes to marking. Uh, I think you saw against Reading on the second goal that whoever Mark was supposed to mark, Danielle Carter, uh, just completely lost her and she was completely free to, to head it in. Uh, so that's a problem. 
And the third problem is, unfortunately, Mary Earps, who isn't comfortable uh, dealing with high balls uh, from set pieces uh, or from uh, shots like Caroline Weir's goal, for example. Um, she just doesn't jump high enough. Uh, and when she isn't the tallest goalkeeper, she just doesn't reach the ball enough, uh, which doesn't really help. I think on set pieces, it's important that a goalkeeper uh, is more commanding in in the area. Like They are allowed to use their hands, which gives them, a, them an advantage. But when you don't get it, or you don't go out to, to get a ball, or are, or are able to get the ball, it, it doesn't spread that secure uh, that security. It, it, the defenders gets very insecure. Uh, there's very, well, and I'm not sure if they trust her at all. So I think that's a problem too. Uh, just, yeah, it's just a mess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, most of Manchester United's clearances found a player in the middle. So were they trying to play press and try to hold up play? I don't know. Uh, if they tried it, it was just an error of judgment a lot of times. Uh, I think when you defend, you, you you should go by kind of the easy rule that when in doubt, kick it, kick it out, uh, just get it away get it out of play, give them a throw in kind of in the middle of your half or something. Uh, and then you dealt with the situation and then you can, you get a new situation to deal with, which is different. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they were trying, but it obviously didn't work. They just gave away the ball too much in, in dangerous areas in front of goals. Yeah. And um, what worked for City against United? Did they outplay United's midfield? And also, how impressive was Caroline Weir against United? Is she the reference to Manchester City midfield? I didn't think, in the first half, I didn't think City outplayed United at all. I mean, they had the majority of the possession, which is kind of uh, ex- uh, as expected, but they didn't really create much. Uh, I thought United... Uh, like the United structure really kind of didn't allow City to to create much, and then they obviously conceded from a set piece uh, and went behind at the break. Um, and then in the second half, I just thought that United looked brighter for for a, a, a short period for or a period of time. Um, they kind of got into better positions offensively and, and, and had some shots and and stuff like that. But then when you make a second mistake leading to a goal, um, they kind of just collapsed and and turned to more well, and turned into a, a poor performance from, from that point. Um, so no, I don't I didn't think City outplayed United uh, in this game, but they deservedly won. Uh, simply because they created a lot more uh, and looked more dangerous, but they didn't outplay them in the way they did in the first half, uh, at least for Village, Village for, for example. Um, as for Caroline Weir, just, yeah, pretty damn impressive. Uh, she was good, and she obviously scored a fantastic goal. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I think she's she's proven that she's a big part of uh, Manchester United's midfield offensively. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, you know, people say <laughs> we can't take anything for granted, but I think uh, there's one thing we can be sure about. So it's a Christian will always give us a very detailed analysis about Manchester United, so that's class, thank you. So we're just gonna move um, to back to Arsenal. Uh, and we have a look at 
the Londoners team in general. Uh, and we're going to talk about what's going wrong with Arsenal because they knew the league was becoming more com- competitive and they did nothing in terms of squad depth. So where they wrong with their signings in the summer? Is the club not trusting the women's project enough or they aren't backing Joe? I mean, I wouldn't say we did nothing, but I just don't think we did enough. Like, we recruited two excellent fullbacks. We were just unlucky they were plagued by injuries. Like, we are yet to play a big team with our strongest back line. And although, like, that was a good signing, I think we planned more for the future. But I don't think that matters if we're falling behind now. I mean, we needed to sign a world-class centre-back. Instead, we got two players fresh out of the US college system. We needed a backup striker to share the workload with Viv. Instead, we got rid of our only striker who has managed to stay fit for an entire season, only other striker, and uh, score against a big team. I mean, I don't think it's a matter of trust in the project. I think they gave Joe the players he wanted to recruit. I think it was his strategy and his targets that were wrong. I mean, he's trying to address the problems we will have in the future, but what does that matter if we're falling behind now? I think, like, we needed to recruit for now and for the future, but he only picks one or another because of the small squad mentality that costs us player after player, year after year. Yeah, it's getting frustrating. Yeah, I don't think it's actually the signing that went wrong. I mean, uh, have a look at the squad. It's a team of such high quality. I would say the injuries we've dealt with had uh, impact here. Um, I mean, every game day you have to be prepared for another unexpected injured player. And I think there hasn't been any game this season where every player was available. So sadly, um, this is an unsolved mystery <laughs> to date. But um, surely something has to change in this matter. Um, and regarding the signings, um, we maybe simply should have signed more players. I'm still absolutely happy with the players we have signed but uh, we are lacking a bit of depth in the squad um, I would say if you compare Chelsea City's or United's uh, bench to Arsenal on a game day it seems uh, obvious to me that this is an aspect uh, where we are lacking behind the others. Okay so what's wrong with Joe and his tactics do you think he's the right man to bring back Arsenal to the top? No <laughs> Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah, that you don't want to comment on this. <laughs> just no. I think it's just I mean, proven that he isn't the right man. Like, like he has no plan B, let alone a plan A. Like he doesn't have a plan A at all. Like our record is actually unforgivable. We haven't won a big game under him since January last season. That was a Conti Cup game, and that was at home. Like it's actually unforgivable. Yeah, I think like I I defended this man for a long time, <laughs> but I don't think I can do it anymore. I mean, we we don't take points in the most important games when we really need these points. So I think it's it's time to change, uh, because something is not okay here, and I think. These results for Arsenal are disappointing. We know the ambitions of the team, and yeah, I think it's just time for change. We had like high hopes. I mean, I had high hopes for this guy, but yeah, I must honestly say that he disappointed our expectations. So, uh, yeah, she's for me. She's definitely not the right man to. Bring back Arsenal to the top, so I totally agree with you guys. So, what's the road ahead for the Gunners? Who should replace Joe at the home? Um, will they be able to keep Minima, Leah Williamson, or Chilworth if they miss out um, Champions League places? I mean, I think Leah will stay just because she she's going to go down with this club. Um, but with Miedemar, she doesn't look like she wants to play for us. And honestly, I'd rather have the money and use it to buy players who want to play for this club and will make the effort for the full 90 minutes. 
I'm sick of it getting to 75 minutes and suddenly Viv's like, yeah, no, I can't be asked anymore. And uh, Jill Broad's developing really well here and Joe seems to be getting the best out of her. So I could see her extending her contract. But I think in terms of the future, I think we could fall out of top four. I think we could actually end up fifth. And I reckon we'll lose our best players and um, replacing Joe at the helm. I don't know, literally anyone at this point. I think Hope Powell, maybe, because she can actually beat a top team with Brighton. Um, Jane Ludlow, literally anyone at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny because I, I spoke to Irene about this uh, recently and we had a little conversation about it. And I think in the case of Leah, or rather I'm sure she will not leave the club just because Arsenal may not play in the Champions League again. Uh, I mean, it's a big defeat for the club that they will not play in in Champions League. But I don't think that Ria, who is so closely connected with this club, and we know how much she loves Arsenal. Now, nah, I just can't imagine her leaving. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think she'll leave just because of that. And as for with, I'm not really sure. I mean, she might leave and I wouldn't blame her. Well, I don't know. It depends. It's She's not like great now. And yeah, I can see her with the same playing with the same passion for Arsenal as she played uh, some time ago. So something's changed and it's not, uh, it's not looking really promising. But no. So speaking about uh, speaking of uh, Champions League chances, Arsenal now have a chance to get into the Champions League spot if they can win their remaining games. Do you think they can pull off? And if the injured players recover in time, they will have their strongest lineup in their all important clash against Manchester United. I have no faith. None. Wow. Like, I think United will finish top three. I think we could even slip down to fifth. I think if we can get back on form and can keep winning until the United game, then it will come down to if we can finally start our best back, ele- back line against a top team. Like, some something we haven't been able to do. I think the game itself will come down to fine margins, but I think that Stoney is tactically better than Joe, so we will probably still lose. And you just know that on game day... There'll be a random name left off the list. Oh, yeah, by the way, this player's injured. Sorry. So what's going wrong with uh, Vivian Midema? You already mentioned it, but is it because there's no player to bring competitiveness within the squad to push her for more? I mean, she isn't playing for the team. Like She is wrongly taking out her frustration on the other players instead of the manager. I mean, she complains about players not passing to her, but when they do, she missed an easy shot, one-on-one, and or didn't give a pass to another player who was in a much better position. Like, she can't expect these levels from other players when she's not producing them herself. I think Ford is challenging her. Ford has been our best player this season, and yet, like, 12 months ago, 16 months ago, Ford was hating football. But I don't think Viv sees that as competition. She just sees that as, I'm the only striker at the club. I am the best player at the club. Okay, so uh, now let's talk about Chelsea. What can we expect from from them? Um, They lost to Brighton last weekend and they bounced back with a victory against Arsenal. So do you think it's Chelsea's title to lose or we can expect some late surprises? I think it's hard to say now. Like Chelsea definitely has a really good chance. I think if Man City can keep up the pace and beat them, because Chelsea haven't been able to beat them in 90 minutes at the Academy Stadium for, like, years. So, I don't know. It could be anything. I'm not sure. Um, I think... I, I... Still think Chelsea are kind of small favourites to win, but with City's form, I think anything can happen, really. Uh, it, it, it's one of those two, Chelsea or City, to, to win it. Yeah, 
I think like Chelsea, they might not play the most beautiful football, but they play football very effective, and that's what it's all about. They're really good in counterattacks, and they play well in defense. Uh, apart from that game versus Brighton, uh, so yeah, it seems that the title will be theirs this season. Maybe there will be some surprises, but uh, will they only appear in their case? I mean, it's possible that other teams will also lose some points along the way. So, yeah, anyways, exciting days ahead of us. So we're really looking forward to uh, the next games. Uh, Okay, so they're already... Uh, Chelsea, they're already in uh, cup final. Uh, they're leaders of the league and Champions League favourites. So how good was their planning before the start of the season? They didn't play Champions League last season and they know there will be eyes, uh, eyes on them. So do you feel they have lived up to the expectations and the standards with their performances? I mean, like... They haven't just been planning this season. Like, this is a team that Emma Hayes has been building for, I think it's like five years. And I think her just adding and improving every season has got them to where they are, where they're probably the best team in the league and the most stacked team in the league. And I think because she's planned this for so long, but has kept improving every season as well, I think uh, the planning is just insane, really. Like, any sort of substitution they make, there's no step down at all. Like, but I think that the only issue they're having is that Hayes doesn't know her strongest 11 yet. I think they've lived up to performances and that they've picked up, like, the most points against the top four, but they're not always completely dominant in those games, as you would expect. Uh, okay, so Chelsea, I like Arsenal, haven't lost to any of big teams in FAWSL in the last two seasons. So what's working for Emma High's side when they turn against the big teams? I mean, their work rate as well. Like, they don't stop working for, like, the full 90 minutes. Like, they have the squad depth again, and that step down is nothing. So they're literally at you for the full 90 minutes. And then whoever comes on has that quality as well to keep going for the full 90 minutes, like, the rest of the 90 minutes. It's, they're just terrifying. Uh, okay, so... Can we consider Emma Hayes as the best manager in FAWSR, or is it too early to say? Well, I guess she is, since she's kind of the manager of the best team in the league at the moment. Can you really argue with that? I mean, <laughs> if you compare, like, if you're thinking about like, what can a manager do with the squad level they have, and I think that Katie Stoney's up there as well. Like, to keep pace with, like, Chelsea and City and whoever, with a team that isn't as strong as the others, and, like, really challenge them in, like, pretty much every game they play against them, I think, like, that's a pretty good sign of management. Like, they're miles ahead of schedule, and to get to that level that quickly is pretty impressive. Like, give Casey Stoney the same amount there, same amount of time and planning that Emma Hayes has had in five years and compare the two managers. So Emma Hayes looks for results rather than stylish play or philosophy. She tried different setups to be effective and win games. So again, how are we going to take our side? Style of play or just to win at all costs? I think with a, a squad like Chelsea's, I think you have to you or you're allowed to expect them to play good football and winning. Um, but MAS just doesn't care, does she? She just wants to win, uh, and and that's how she sets up her team, and that's how she sets up her tactics, uh, and ultimately that's what happens. They just win, so um, she just doesn't care. Um, although. When I am watching Chelsea's games, I would, I would like to see them play kind of maybe more entertaining football, considering all the talent they have. But 
Yeah. They just want to win. Okay, so now uh, let's get back to Manchester City. Uh, some questions in general. Um, they're pushing to the title win, and City, they were inconsistent with their performance at the start of the season and were over-reliant on some Mewis. So who's responsible for City going from behind completely brilliant on Mewis to excelling winning six in a row? Lauren I think a, Yeah, I think a part of it is Lauren Hemp's return, uh, uh, which has made them kind of get a more subtle starting eleven. I think it's pretty clear now that City's starting eleven is Roebuck in goal and Bronze, Houghton, Dal Kemper, Greenwood, Walsh, Weir, Stanway, Kelly, White, and Hemp. Um, and that gives them relations, better relations to each other. Uh, and it has really paid off for them. So they, they're excelling now. So do you think Hemp's return from injury marked a positive change in form for City? And how, how did the, her presence make City a more balanced team going forward? Well, it, it is, the thing it's done is that the front three is, is very settled now. Uh, you can see that like before or when Hemp was out injured, um, there was a lot of chopping and changing uh, in the front three. Uh, Kelly was playing on the left. Stanway was playing up front or, or rotating rotating with with Alan White and then Janine Becky was playing right wing. But now with Hemp's return, uh, it's clear that the front three is Chloe Kelly on the right, Alan White through the middle and Lauren Hemp uh, on the left, uh, which has really helped them because now they can build those uh, build relations they have done uh, they can keep building relations and just get a better understanding of each other uh, and it's really paid off for them proven by all the goals they've been scoring um so since you mentioned Kelly, she's been the other standout player for city she's already contributed eight assists in the league which is the most so can we finally say city has the best young wingers in fawsa yeah, because there aren't any other teams that have particularly young wingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, what are City chances of winning the title? Do you fancy them winning their game against Chelsea? Well, they've obviously gotten into a position where it's it's very possible for them to win the title. Um, if they keep if they keep up this form, they they they're gonna be. Up there and gave Chelsea a real challenge. Um, it's very hard to say how the game against Chelsea will go, but as Mary Kate referred to, Chelsea has struggled to to beat City away uh, in within 90, 90, 90 minutes before. Um, so I just expect a tight, entertaining game uh, where, where everything is possible. Do you think City has? The defense to win the Champions League, or they will be caught against the European heavyweights. Hmm, that's a tough one, I think. Um, I think the addition of Abidal Kemper has has really helped, but um, I still think uh, I, th- I still think that their defense is exploitable for for the the best teams in Europe. Yeah, I think it is. Um, exploitable, but I think they, they improved since the last season. Um, so yeah, I think obviously the Champions League uh, games will verify how good their defense is. So now on to the Manchester United again. They missed the cost and opportunity. So do you think the injuries have impacted? Uh, United's second half of the season so far because you know Tobin Heath, uh, Alex Russo, and Lauren James, all these players are their productive forwards. 
So notably, they haven't started the games against Chelsea City and Reading when they dropped points. Well, it certainly hasn't helped, has it? Um, having uh, Tobin Heath, who is who was one of United's most and biggest creative creative outlets uh, when she when she was fit, um, uh, is obviously going to make a big impact. Uh, and also Alessio Russo, who really found the net uh, a fair few times when she before she got injured, uh, uh, and her being a proper number nine, just. Yeah, getting her out or getting her injured is, uh, is not 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 great, and has really uh, has obviously played an, made an impact on United's team. But I think I still think the biggest change is the change of system, which I, I I've talked a lot about previously. Uh yeah, and they signed Maria Torres-Dotir in the winter transfer window. So do you think they should have signed a forward? Considering the all the injuries, I think they should have done more in the January transfer window. You obviously can't really expect injuries uh, to to every forward uh, like United have has have had now uh, with like the main front three uh, all being injured at the moment. Um, so so maybe, but I still think like the defense uh, or getting someone in uh, in in defense was was important because I don't think they they had the depth at all. So bringing in the defender made total sense to me. Uh, although shipping out two defenders was kind of kind of counteracted that. So they're now back at having a thin defense. Um, and Marokai noted in one of our aerial episodes that United got the points against teams like Chelsea, Arsenal and City at their home. Uh, and they need to play their away games. So, And so far, they have lost the two games. They are yet to play their game against Arsenal away. So what went wrong for United in these away games? Do you feel it has to do with the home advantage or the system was the reason for it? Well, I don't think home advantage is kind of the biggest thing now without the fans and that plays a massive, massive part. Um, so I'm still kind of blaming uh, individual errors in defense uh, and, and the system for it. Um, I think if you look at the two games, they played now away to Chelsea and City. Uh, they've conceded five goals, and literally all of them is very preventable. Um, Chelsea's first goal is a set piece, uh, and United are ball watching and just lose, letting, giving people space in their box, uh, uh, and not just not getting anything on the second ball or anything. So. That's a mess, and then obviously the lapse of concentration between Amy and Millie Turner for that long ball from Anne Catherine Berger through to Frank Kirby. Very preventable uh, if they had uh, better communication and better awareness of the situation. Uh, and obviously, I mentioned all this city, all, all of City's goals, uh, how they could have been prevented. So uh, it's it's defensive mistake that that has mainly cost them. Um, and then the system has kind of well hampered their attacking play, so they haven't really managed to create chances. And when they have, they've been let down by uh, poor finishing uh, or poor decision making in the final third, uh, which both uh, have been recurring problems throughout the whole season. Okay. So similar to Arsenal, United's attacking options will be ready in time for the Arsenal game, um, except Tobin Heath. Will that make a difference for United and clinch them the deserved Champions League spot? 
I think getting Alessio Russo back will be brilliant and it could make a difference, but I'm also very worried about the extent of Leo Golton's injury, uh, which he which he got yesterday against City. Uh, I don't. It didn't look good. She she was in tears. So, uh, I, I, it it feels like it's it, it's kind of a long term uh, ankle injury. Um, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Kind of getting one back and then. Uh, losing one at the same time, so it, it it's not good. But I think getting someone like Alessio Russo back will help. But then again, losing someone like Leo Golton, who's having a, who's had an amazing season so far, just puts a dent to that. Okay, so what could be corrected to be back on track and fight for the title and hold the Champions League spot? Well, luckily for United, there's an international break now coming up, uh, and I really hope that they they spend they use that well. Uh, it goes for Casey and the staff and all the players. I think they need to reflect on their recent performances, uh, their defensive mistakes, uh, and what they can improve. Um, uh, and I think that's. And kind of to eradicate those defensive mistakes, uh, uh, but I think also think that kind of the main thing that needs to be corrected is to 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 revert back again to to a four three three with the midfield three of Hilliard, Jackie Groan, and Elatou, uh, because that really worked out well uh, before Christmas uh, and it and. Going to double pivot after Christmas hasn't really worked out well at all. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think that's that has to change. But I'm I'm not sure. Um, I actually talked to to someone yesterday who asked why uh, United aren't playing in playing a single pivot uh, like the other t- top three teams like Chelsea, Arsenal, and City. Because they all usually set up uh, with one defensive midfielder, and I was asked kind of why, why United can't do that, uh, and I kind of thought about it yesterday and kind of came up with some sort of theory, and it's, and it, I think if you compare um, the single pivot Arsenal, Chelsea, and City play compared to United's. You have Sophie Ingle or Melanie Lupos at Chelsea. You have Leo Walty at Arsenal, and you have Kira Walsh at City. Uh, what you get with those are very capable defenders. Uh, they can do the defensive job pretty well, uh, but they also are able to to play forward and and, and kind of dictate play with with their passing and passing rate passing range. If you look at United's options there, which are Haley Ladd and Katie Sullen, you don't have that. Uh, Haley, for how good Haley Ladd is defensively, she isn't... Her ability on the ball isn't the greatest. She, she doesn't really play forward. She keeps it simple and plays sideways or back, backwards for, for the most part. Uh, credit to her this season, she has kind of tried to play forward more. Which has resulted in some assists, uh, but I think it's clear that she isn't comfortable with it, and it's not something she she she's used to doing because she has a lot of wayward and in- inaccurate forward passes. Uh, and then you have Katie Sullen, who is the complete opposite of Haley Ladd. She isn't her defensive game is really poor, um, whilst her on the ball ability is is pretty good. Uh, so I think so. My theory is that. To compensate, Casey is playing a double pivot uh, and gets the job, the same thing, and gets the same from two players that the other top three teams gets from one player. Um, so, yeah, but I still think like reverting back to kind of the the four three three is the way to go. 
and play grown and tune in, in their best positions and just get the best out of the midfield but maybe she doesn't she, she has kind of realized that she maybe might not have the correct player to play in the single pivot yeah okay you're really not a fan of double pivot <laughs> no I, I really de- I despise it with a passion because it clearly do- clearly hasn't worked at all at any point uh, since United uh, uh, re- started up their women's team. Like in the championship, they played 4-3-3 and just went all out attack and scored plenty of goals. Uh, although it's it's worth noting that that team was way too good for a championship. But if you look at last season, they played double pivot constantly uh, and it didn't look good uh, at all. They really struggled for goals, uh, for example. There's a reason why all the other top top teams are outscoring them with a considerable margin. Uh, it's because the double pivot doesn't get the best out of their out of their attacking players uh, and really kind of hampers the the attacking play. Okay, so on to the last question about United. Um, how would you rate their summer transfers and the planning before the start of the season? Do you think they have signed the right players to do the job for them? Uh, I mean, Anna Bacie, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath and Russia Russo, because you know, United's project looks very promising for, for the future. I think they've I think they addressed uh, a fair well, like most areas uh, where they had to bring someone in. Uh, it was clear that they lacked a fullback, an attacking fullback, uh, last season. Um, getting Ona Bache in has really helped that. Um, she's been a revelation for them. Uh, another problem was uh, the striker position. They they didn't have someone to score enough goals. Like Lauren Jane scored six, uh, which was very good for her, but she isn't a natural striker, so getting uh, Alessio Russo in, uh, who is a striker, a young, very promising striker, really helped with that. Um, and they also kind of lack uh, a winger with better decision-making uh, and creativity, uh, and they brought in Tobin Heath, uh, which, has, which has kind of solved that problem as well, uh, in a way, until she, was, uh, until she got an injury. And then you have Kristen Press, who just brings experience and can also occupy both the striker position and and one of the wings. So, yeah, I, I think they, they did the right thing by addressing those areas. Um, but I think this season it's also clear that they still have a big overhaul uh, to do. They need to strengthen again uh, this summer. And it, it's not only two or three signings. I, I'm thinking more like five or six new signings, actually, which sounds very dramatic considering how United season have been so far. But if they're going to 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 get if they if they get the Champions League football next for next season, they they just need more quality and more depth. Uh, and ultimately, their target is to win the league as well. Uh, so they need to. To bring in more quality to to be within the chance to compete with the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City. Okay, so um, just one more quick general question: um, How will Champions League games impact Chelsea's and City's chances to win uh, the WSL title? Do you think they will be affected by fatigue? Maybe. Um, Chelsea has a very tight schedule uh, with how many postponement, postponement, postponements they've had. Um, but they have the squad for it. Uh, and Emma Hayes has, uh, has rotated quite a bit um, uh, to, to league games and to keep everything, everyone fresh and fit. So I think, I think I personally think like both teams have the squad to compete on multiple fronts um, and fatigue, it, while it could be a problem, I don't think it will affect them 
uh, as much as uh, or affect them too much in, in, in their their bid for the WSL title. I think that um, City, like Ellen White, could, um, is probably going to have to play every game. So like, I think with City, because they haven't got a backup striker and they play somewhere there sometimes, but isn't that effective? I think that could potentially be where they come unstuck. Okay.